1: Here you go. Now that's that's, that's your sock. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you hand me that socket wrench over there? I got I to gotta get up here in his raft this year. I got to yeah, see yeah, what yeah. I'm dealing with up there. It looks like uh, I'm hearing a lot of scratching in the walls. I got to see what I'm dealing with up there. Here you go, boss. Here's the socket Reggie. I don't know exactly how you're going to oh. get in the walls with this. Hey, uh, Lenny, can you uh, hand me that flashlight there? Yes. Yeah, right? Oh. <laughs> oh, Yeah oh what, yeah, do you listen, what do you see uh, what do you on, see what do you see let's uh let's go talk to listen I, we, all right lenny i hate to break it to you you got yourself a pretty nasty grunge infestation up there. i'm seeing oh i'm seeing flannel uh oh boy. the windows oh, oh i am geez. oh my goodness yeah yep Gosh. that is a whole box of starbucks beans oh geez it's a seattle type huh Ah listen uh, I don't you know there's things we can do here. You don't have to sell the house and move. There is a grunge infestation but I, there's some simple things you can do. The first thing you could do is fill any holes so you got holes, hole that whole thing just fill them all up. You're gonna want to stop practicing Buddhism immediately. If you achieve Nirvana in any way, there's just you're never gonna get that smell out. And I'm 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 afraid to break it, to you. You're gonna have to let your girlfriend go. Like uh, Alice, it's time for to unlock those chains. Get her out of here. It's pretty bad. I'm I, I've I've not seen a case like this since about 1992. It's pretty bad up here in these rafters. And uh, I don't know. I think you know, I can save it for you. Maybe at a price, though. How much are we talking? Well, I really love uh, your wife, Alice's uh, breakfast foods. She, she has a lovely collection of breakfast foods there. She got some jam, I see. Jellies, actually. Does pearl jam mean semen? <laughs> Welcome to the Third Men podcast. I'm your co host, Paul Kaminsky. <laughs> and that's been a sort of bit. Uh, I'm your co host, James Kaminsky. It's a late record here. Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming okay. in on the wire. My Lenny character that wasn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If this is your first listen, I'm very sorry. But if it's your first listen, we'll have you know that this is a Jack White history program where we go over Third Man Records, Third Man Records related bands, movies and TV. And, and Paul, sometimes we have a little bit of a crossover episode. Yeah. So this one is uh, going to be a crossover in a couple ways. So we are joined, of course, later in the episode for a nice long interview. It was lovely talking to Jesse from The Porch Podcast, which is a Pearl Jam fan podcast, and we decided to dedicate the whole episode to the many different connections between Jack White, Third Man Records, and Pearl Jam, and there's actually a lot more than you might think. There certainly are. I had a lot of fun researching this. Boy, those worlds, they they intersect. Around the Jack White solo years, things just start getting hot and heavy.
2: Hot and heavy? You said hot and heavy?
1: Uh, between Pearl Jam Uh, specifically Pearl Jam's frontman, Eddie Vedder, and Jack White. Interesting stuff, and super excited to get into it today. It's going to be fun, James, but before we get to all of that... Oh, is there a show that you fell in love with this week? There is, James! It's Fell in Love with the Show! Oh, man, what a coincidence that I would (laughs) guess that. (laughs) James, uh, why don't you tell the people what Fell in Love with the Show is? Uh, I'd love to. Fell in Love with the Show is a segment of our program in which one of us, me or you, go out and see a third man related act in the real world. We fall in love with it and then we come back here and talk about it on this year program. Yeah, so this past Friday, so at the time of this recording, a scant three days ago, I went to go see Ms. Olivia Jean perform at the Redwood Bar out here in Los Angeles. That's super exciting, Paul. We, I saw Olivia Jean earlier this year as well, and super good show this tour. Uh, I'm excited to hear about your experience. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Now, as you mentioned, you, you got to see her. We obviously got to interview her this season about her latest record, Night Owl. And that mm. was a big deal for us because we're both big Olivia Jean fans. And so I was very excited that she came out here to Los Angeles. It had been a couple years since I saw her live. So it was great. Redwood Bar, very tiny club, kind of a... Well, mm-hmm. it's, a bar, it's a bar, and there's a small stage in back, and it's really an intimate setting. It reminded me a lot of the kinds of venues that I've seen Lily Mae in out here. Very small, sort of charming atmosphere kind of places, a lot of character. Mm-hmm. And what's more, I had never actually seen a performance there before, so even better, because I love exploring new venues. So I got to this venue pretty early with the hopes that I would perhaps run into the band at some point mm. <laughs> um, because that did successfully work out with me when I snuck in with the waiting staff during the last time Lily Mae was in town. Right. <laughs> I got to talk to her beforehand, which is super fun. So anyway, I did get there very early and I was able to get in before they shut the doors to the general public and people just didn't talk to me. They assumed I worked at the bar and <laughs> I uh, did not <laughs> argue with them. And I, knew an awful lot about the artist who was performing that night so actually whenever prompted or asked a question i i simply gave them a response that so happened to be accurate so as far as anyone was concerned i worked at the redwood bar yeah and paul did start slinging drinks uh (laughs) you did start working there you made 150 dollars. i'm proud of you paul the guy's like make sure the door is shut we're not letting anyone in yet i was like got it Uh, Paul starts wiping down a table immediately. (laughs) So as I, as I predicted, yeah. In strolls Olivia with her crew and some of the band. And yeah, I wanted to wait till a a moment where it didn't look like she was packed full of equipment or merch or things like that. On your break. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I just sort of hung out, bided my time and tried not to, you know, look like a creep. And then when, you know, she got in and sort of got settled, I walked in, walked over and introduced myself, said, hi, I'm Paul from the podcast. And she gave me a big hug. Right out mm. the gate, and it was lovely. And she immediately, first words out of her mouth was, I saw your brother in Pennsylvania for, at the Les Zeppelin show. Aww. That was the first words right out of her mouth, and she remembered the Led Zeppelin show. And I said, I know, he told me, that's really cool. And, and then she introduced me to her band, and this is where things got weird, James. I like weird. Yeah, so I, like, I thought I was being a responsible... Citizen. Uh-huh. So when they extended their hand, now keep in mind the lady already hugged me, but <laughs> the band extended their hands. You I sneezed went, on it. <laughs> I went. <laughs> I went in the elbow rub, and then they went, oh, like, which is the appropriate response <laughs> if someone does that. The appropriate response, by the way, is to go, uh oh. and then literally the rest of the conversation was about coronavirus. So like I thought I was being a response, like a good good Corona boy. Yes. But instead, what I did was shift every single focus of the conversation. Because she didn't introduce me to everyone at once. Like, new people would come up, and then it would be my turn to extend... Because I had already extended the elbow to one. What was I going (laughs) to not... (laughs) At that point, if you don't do it, it's going to seem like you just didn't want to touch that one person. (laughs) I know. I know. So... One by one. <laughs> so you we created they come created this affectation up, Larry David style. <laughs> they come up, extend their hand, I extend my elbow, and then we talk about coronavirus for seven minutes, and then another one would come up. <laughs> extend their hand I extend my elbow trying desperate James trying desperately to change the subject I said so how's everybody doing back home and she went well you know with the tornado so then all we did was talk about the death and destruction you're a real life George (laughs) (laughs) all Larry Daviding aside it was Mm -hmm. a lovely uh, conversation her band was very very nice I gave her some uh, stickers from the podcast and we parted ways as she went to go prepare to, to put on the show and I went and sat down and thought about why I'll never extend my elbow to another human being on planet Earth ever, ever again. This should just be your thing from now on, though. (laughs) Me and you both made fools of ourselves to varying degrees. Or at least alienated ourselves to this person who kind of respected us. Because I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, though, when I saw her... When I elbowed Liz her Zeppelin, in the head. When Liz Zeppelin was, was on stage, I was in the back, and she was there, and I saw her, and I went, oh, you're still here. Um. And that was a thing I should not have said, and I abruptly scared her. So she thinks that I don't want her around. Paul, you're, you, the, you are keeping the whole band at elbows distance. <laughs> there's some real larry david stuff going on there but overall it was a lovely exchange it was it was clear that she was very appreciative to us it was very very nice and all that stuff and by the way none of that is on her it's all on it's all on the old p man all all on elbows kaminsky they call him (laughs) i'm so happy you got to meet her uh well i mean i know you've met her before but i'm so happy you got to meet her post show this is pre-show oh post episode but but, but putting a face to the to the interview kind of name so uh, yes. That's super exciting. The opening bands, there was two opening bands. Uh, the first one's name, I don't recall. The second one was Electric Children. They're very good. Um, they're great, Great band. And then Olivia came on, and I was front, like, pretty, like, front row. Like, I was just, I was behind one other guy, but it was a small bar, so there wasn't, like, obviously she could see I was there, but anyway, before the show started, she said to everyone... All right. How's everybody doing, Los Angeles? Elbow bumps to all. She said (laughs) that to everyone. Oh, my God. (laughs) Before (laughs) the thing started. So that <laughs> was very funny. I did all... Ah, I forgot to mention, I did also break the news to her that South by Southwest was canceled. I really rained on a lot of parades. Oh. Because that had just happened, and so I. And look, we were talking about coronavirus, and yeah. so I was like, yeah, you know, I work in comics, and all these conventions are canceled, and oh, right, South by Southwest just got canceled. She's like, what? I was like, oh, God. Yeah. It's canceled. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> it's not your fault I was just the bearer of bad news about literally everything (laughs) so anyway the show was electric the show was so good it was a little disaster laden the first, I want to say, four songs each had something horrible happen to her th- the equipment. Oh, no. Like, at one point, the microphone flew out of the stand, socked the guy in front of me in the face, and hit the ground before the pole started falling over. And she had to; she was in the middle of the song. It wasn't at the end. So the guy was trying to, like, put it up and then reassemble it. And then it flung out again into the crowd. And so that was weird. And then <laughs> was it looped up? Like <laughs> and then um, she had it's to like, move the speaker at one point, And I don't know actually why she moved it. I think it's because there was some problem with feedback in the, in the monitor. But when she did that, it knocked the kick drum mic off. And so the guy said to stop a cymbal broke halfway through the second song. There was a lot. That happened. And so she was just, she just kept saying, like, it's one of those shows. Honest to God, it just kind of gave the show some more charm. Like, it was very enjoyable. And none of that stuff bothered literally anyone in there. It was all fine. The only bother, actually, was the drunk guy behind me trying to yell out to her that the bass microphone wasn't getting picking up any vocals and then he's like started tapping on people's shoulders in front of him, like they want you to help them when they're up there and i was like oh, i don't oh, think geez. they do no. want us to help them at all but he kept going no bass no bass mic it was really weird the set wonderful the, all those technical difficulties got sorted out fairly quickly and, uh, you know, Olivia looked like she was having fun She had a guitarist who was playing with her Tell a couple jokes That apparently came from a joke book She got him back in Nashville <laughs> And so whenever things were looking a little tense in the set She would ask him to tell a joke And he would tell a joke We got introduced to her new guitar, Holly Grail Which was awesome It was kind of sparkly And as one Olivia Jean super fan in the front row pointed out Her outfit matched the guitar mm. a little bit and uh, the set was excellent. I took a photo of the set list. She opened with Shut Your Mouth, which was awesome. I love that song. Uh, followed by In a Cage, Brush Fire, Howl at the Moon, Night Owl, Into, The Hunt, Reminiscence, I Used to Be Lonely, John Ho, Can You Help Me, Rhinestone, If You Don't Love Me By Now, Merry Widow, Green Honey Creeper, Wishing uh, yeah. Well garage bat and then she closed with haunt me and ms black boots and what i love about this set list is that you remember james in the interview we asked about how she sequences an album and how she works on a set list and the keys and stuff mm-hmm. she wrote the which key was next to each oh. um, next oh, to each cool. uh, song title here so f f sharp f sharp e c b etc so i thought that was a cool little like crossover to the show a little bit because i was like oh yeah that's why you do that huh Well, that's pretty neat. Did you? So I take it you got a a photo of the set list or? I did. Yeah, I was so close. I should have got one. But there were some very compulsive fans who really like threw their bodies at the set lists, you know? Yeah. You know what? I I noticed the same type of fan at the show I was at. You know what? I'm happy. I'm happy they're there. I'm happy they're, they're showing love and support. Yeah, And you know what I I think? Grab those set lists. Grab them. And then speaking of fellow fans, I spotted two of Yvette's friends in the uh, crowd. People I had gotten to know through the and Tours Amoeba show and the show he did at that club out here. The um, Catch One, I think it was called. That was great seeing them. They recognized me and we talked for a while and that was awesome. And so yeah, the show was fantastic. And then when the show wrapped up, I went to go stand by the merch table and who is standing at the bar, Carla Azar. And Ah. I, Carla Azar and the lead singer of the group who opened for her electric children look kind of similar. So I spent a good long while, like squinting at Carla Azar, like trying to suss out if that was her. I had, I did the same thing at the 10 year reunion because when you, when you see somebody on stage or, you know, in a, on film or in, on a video or something, they look, so much different than when yeah. you're in 3D space. And Real life, yeah. I mean, obviously, they uh, they look the same, but it's, it's one of those things where like you're like, is that... Or am I just being... Yeah. And at the 10-year reunion, I did the same exact thing. Cause, but Carla and, and Olivia seemed to be pretty good friends because they were palling around at the 10-year as well. And I didn't get a chance to say hi to Carla, but I did watch the show about 10 feet away from her right. uh, when the racks were up. <laughs> oh, on. that's right. They were, she was behind you. Right. I think I yeah. remember you saying that. Yeah. Right. By the time I was like convinced enough, she was heading backstage. And so I went and to go follow her cause I wasn't sure quite where she was going. And if she's stopped along the way, I might've, you know, I was going to try and say hi or whatever. Right. And as she was walking, I saw like three other third man super fans mm-hmm. also recognize her and then start following her. And, <laughs> <laughs> she starts then, speeding up and you all start speeding up. <laughs> so she goes backstage and then the guy turns around and he goes, is that? And I go, yeah, it's, that's Carla Azar. And he's like, ah, oh, I knew it. So while all of that is happening, Yvette's friends are at the merch table still. And that's when Patrick Keeler left. And I didn't even oh. realize Patrick Keeler was there and left. But Yvette's friends told me about it. And I was like, ah, that would have been amazing. But Wow. Well, still very cool to see them you know yeah he was in the audience though you were still there with with pk yeah. pk and pk pk squared afterwards stood in line bought a the the only t-shirt i think left that i have that i don't own of olivia jeans so i think i have like four olivia jeans shirts now it's weird <laughs> but uh i bought it from from olivia and got got a picture with her and she, her bassist was super nice uh, i was talking to her bassist a little bit and i was like oh yeah when do you guys head up to san francisco and she's like actually we leave tonight and once again, I was like, "Oh, oh!" Because it's a long drive. <laughs> and Olivia goes, "Yeah, I'm the lousy tour manager that put that together." So, like every interaction I had, I just kind of... <laughs> oh, it's not—it's not your fault, though. Like, but yeah, I—I I would feel the same way, like I, as you. Yeah, that was me seeing Olivia. Look, the takeaway was I had a great time. That was one of the best rock shows I've seen in a long time. I, you know, I did that thing you described James, where you close your eyes and just kind of get into the music and I was rocking out. It was like classic, like what I like about a show, just kind of moving and enjoying the music. And especially when you know every song and I knew, there was two I didn't recognize right away, but she closed with a Black bell's B-side. I've actually I'm not super familiar with, but I think I have the mm-hmm. single. Yeah, so I had a, just a really great time. That band puts on an excellent show. so they thank do. you, Olivia, for swinging by and uh, yeah, I'm sorry I reminded you of d- disease and death. Um, <laughs> well Paul, I'm happy to hear that you uh, you had a great time and that you're rubbing elbows with celebrities <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's a solid fit. Anyway, that's been fell in love with
3: this show. Well, Paul,
1: that was exciting. I'm very I'm very happy. But let's say we uh we move on to the to the to the main to the main bit of this show. Let's move on to the meat. James here. James, take that pearl. meat and whip that pearl jam right in my face. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. I know I went on more of a Pearl Jam journey than you did back in high school. Yes, I went on no Pearl Jam journey. Right, big fan of verses, big fan of ten. Love me a lot of love me a lot of that grunge stuff. I, I had a, I had a deep dive into that. Now, if you're not familiar with Pearl Jam out folks out there, I'll just say this: Pearl Jam formed in Seattle in 1990 with uh, with Eddie Vedder, Mike McCready, Stone Gossard, Jeff Ament, and various other drummers throughout the years. But the most recent, longest running is Matt Cameron. Eddie Vedder and Mike McCready are kind of like the the faces of the band currently. Yeah, everybody kind of just knows Eddie Vedder because he's the front man. And uh, they were at the heart of the grunge rock music boom of the early 90s alongside, you know, the the other big three of your Nirvana, your Soundgarden, your Alice in Chains, uh, Mudhoney's in there. And all of that kind of gave rise to to this new kind of music grunge, which was kind of a take on punk it's it's like what gen x kind of defined themselves by yeah which was a, a lack of a lack of caring just kind of numbness and i think that's why i, I think that's why i didn't gravitate toward grunge really because if i'm known for anything good or bad it's being aggressively interested in things so <laughs> i uh i don't think it's really yeah. like the disaffected thing never really touch me in a personal way because i just don't feel terribly disaffected i feel very affected (laughs) yeah yeah well yes (laughs) i could see that there's the simpsons joke of uh when the smashing pumpkins are are in town in Springfield and they're they're kind of shambling about
3: it may be bleak but this music is really getting to the crowd uh making teenagers depressed is like shooting fish in a barrel.
1: Well, I'll say this. I think the spirit of some of that grunge is alive in artists like Billie Eilish. Yeah. Maybe to a lesser extent, your Courtney Barnett's, But there's something I, I appreciate the attitude of Billie Eilish, almost the bravado more than the grunge movements kind of whole deal. Also, it's just on a sonic level. I think I just need ultimately something a little brighter or at least... To have moments of brightness, but I think of all of the bands from that movement. Like obviously, I enjoy Nirvana to some extent, mm-hmm. and I think Pearl Jam is also a fairly accessible, fairly rock and rolly sounding grunge group. Like you know, I yeah. I did I did some Pearl Jam listening prior to this episode just because I wanted to kind of get a little more in that headspace. And yeah, it's you know it sounds like good rock and roll. At least today, today's Pearl Jam sounds like good, good rock and roll. Yeah, they they do some mixing with with your your modern mock rock bands, and the genres kind of muddy a bit in the water as time moves on. I mean, Stone Temple Pilots became a Pearl Jam sound alike band to a degree, which I really love. Stone Temple Pilots, and 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 they eventually would have created a Velvet Revolver, which I remember from right. your CD collection. You had a Velvet Revolver CD. That's right. It, kind of ebbs and flows and and we talk about this a little bit in our interview with with jesse later on pearl jam is one of those institutional bands that kind of inspires bands going forward at the time every other band wanted to sound like pearl jam and you still find bands today that that want to sound like pearl jam yeah of the 90s era like they're one of the biggest success stories and even if you're not terribly familiar with them, or even like the sound all that much, you're still almost like, as a music fan, kind of obligated to be aware of them in a, right. In a way. Yeah. Right, and they've they've transcended the, the the generations a little bit. They had they had a little bit of a stumbling block in around '95 area, and a lot of that had to do with their tour they they were uh very against ticketmaster and were like the only band that boycotted venues that used ticketmaster and that oh. like they that that caused so many problems and they were right just kind of being dicks about it maybe <laughs> yeah and then they they went on to do some experimental music that people weren't like thrilled with because they wanted to get back to their roots anyway a, a lot of their roots do stem from blues which is you know the same roots as jack A lot of their inspiration comes from Neil Young as well, which Jack also idolizes. Uh, And in fact, the name Pearl Jam was agreed upon after a Neil Young concert that they all attended. Really? Yeah. So one might not immediately see the connection between Pearl Jam and White Stripes or Jack White. Grunge is a form of alternative rock. It kind of does mix, but the connection might not be immediately apparent. Right. We'll start with that. The, the, The connection's... I, I I kind of separated this into a couple different categories. So the first category I have here is some tenuous connections slash meetups. Uh, okay. So a pun? Is that a pun? Not really, but it should be. Ten, it is now. Tenuous? Ten. Yeah, yeah, no. Are the <laughs> rest good. of them puns, James? I'm sure the rest <laughs> of them are going to be really great and funny. Oh, man. Now I'm going to have to. <laughs> All right. So Mike McCready did uh, did interview Jack White uh, in around 2016. And they they talk for a long time. Uh, Mike McCready has a, a Serious XM show. Okay, so that's uh, what I was going to say. It, is that Pearl Jam Radio? Is is that a yes. Sirius XM thing? Or, okay, so that's like the first tenuous connection. They they do a, a really long, in depth interview. Very interesting stuff. We also have a connection in 2014 via Forbes magazine. Jack White, when he released Lazaretto, was the first record to sell 40,000 copies in since 1991. It's the the largest wow. vinyl sales week for any record since 1991 when SoundScan began tracking music sales and that particular number beats, beats the previously held record by Pearl Jam and wow. their album Vitology which sold 34,000 copies back in 1994 That's which is kind of funny. amazing that it was that long of it. I mean I guess I guess I'm also shocked that that far into the 90s vinyl was moving at that yeah. clip you know. Because CDs were pretty prevalent. That's a a weird connection that I found. A lot of this is going to just be weird connections that I found because they really, uh, until the last thing I'm going to talk about, they really didn't work together all that much. Right. So in 2014, Jack White and Eddie Vedder uh, watched a a baseball game together along with Paul Simon. And this is in 2014. Now, I do recall, is that the one where they're photographed on the field with the... And they're in old, old-timey jerseys, each one wearing uh, opposing teams. Is Paul Simon there? Paul Simon is there, looking like an old, uh, an old grandfather yeah. who's there just enjoying the day with his two sons, with his two alternative sons. <laughs> like Master Roshi, just <laughs> teeny man amongst and this is, the giants. And this is back when Jack had the fun Elvis cut. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about, yeah. And that was at Seattle, Go Field, Mariners versus Rangers game, and Jack White actually played Seattle, well, he wrapped up a two-night run at the Paramount Seattle, and uh, before he played Steady As She Goes, he dedicated the song to Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, who were in the audience that evening. Oh, wow, very cool. 2015, Baseball Connections continue. Eddie Vedder and Jack White are both made into Celebrity First Pitch Tops baseball cards in the yes. same set. Right. It's like the haircut of Blunderbuss, but it could be just Lazaretto. I think hair. it's it's just just before the The, the cut, got, yeah. Yeah. It's Jack pitching for the Detroit Tigers and Eddie for the Cubs. Right. And then the last like very tenuous connection I have here that isn't relating to anything else, is Eddie and Jack were both two rockers who who tried to help the the flint community right. during the start of the the flint water crisis both of them had separate charities to uh, to get water made available to people in flint michigan right and as you mentioned all these are during the solo era there's nothing predating that it sounds like right yeah so that's going to move us on to the next topic i have here of cover songs and guest live appearances Ooh. okay june 2012 eddie vedder jack white and tom petty all three of them hung out in amsterdam right so i've seen uh, photos of this too yeah yeah the, there's there's photo evidence of this tom petty is wearing a beatles shirt right eddie vedder joined tom petty on stage for the waiting and american girl
3: when it's here and I were gonna ask him if you please come out and sing with us uh-
1: Jack White actually declined to go on stage. Wow, and watched the show as an audience member instead. Huh. Eddie reminisced about this experience in a in a live show in Amsterdam in 2019, post Tom Petty's death from 2017, and uh, I can't exactly find exactly what he said but i got this one thing from a uh, pearl jam thread from a concert goer as they were live kind of tweeting on on this forum and he says talking about tom petty and jack white and fun hat in back of hotel and how tom's music lives <laughs> inside all of us it's written in all caps not a lot of punctuation but i appreciate them kind of getting that information out there yeah. the world so those three titans of rock and roll we just uh yeah. on the on the yesterday and today podcast dad just sent me the latest 1975 and there was a, they, there's a story in there about how mcjagger asked lennon to come on stage at madison square garden in 75 and lennon declined too and i was thinking like i guess you must need to be in the right headspace to stand in front of that many people and yeah do something creative because like in the back of my mind i'm thinking like i would do that but then again i don't know like i would go out there if mick asked hey look if Mick jagger wants to call me and say hey listen we've heard about you and your elbows we want you on stage we're very old people we are very susceptible to coronavirus we love your take we love your hot if, take on human interaction we need to get if, you on the stage now the idea that these like because to have those moments sort of robbed from us in that way i was thinking like well why why would you decline but i guess you must really need to be in a certain kind of headspace to get up there oh i'm sure and also tom petty is from what i've heard from that documentary he's a musician's musician Uh, right people love to watch him play maybe just being in the audience was what they wanted maybe florida's finest uh well petty him and maybe who else pitbull steve irwin (laughs) Yeah. Steve Irwin. The alligator hunter? (laughs) Noted. Florida native. Steve Irwin. (laughs) You know how they talk down in Florida? Boy! (laughs) G'day. G'day, Tampa. There's that connection in October of 2012. We're still in the 2012 range. Jack White and the Peacocks playing during the Blunderbuss tour. And Pearl Jam both play during a Neil Young annual benefit concert uh, yes. the bridge school benefit concert in right. california they did that a few times they were both part of the the headlining acts and the fundraiser ended with all of the musical acts including axel rose oh so sorry except for axel rose <laughs> joined neil young on stage as he closed the show with a solo set jack white eddie vedder mark foster katie lang Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips. Wow. I'll join Neil on the song Rockin' in the Free World. Wow. Um, Very cool. To, to close out the event. Now, if I'm recalling correctly, the 2014 benefit, that same one, I think Pokey Lafarge was at that, and he and Jack led everyone in a rendition of Goodnight Irene, if I'm recalling correctly. I, I, I trust you. I trust your, <laughs> your knowledge on the subject. All right. Speaking of Rockin' in the Free World and Neil Young, uh, Jack White and Dominic Davis... Both join Pearl Jam on stage on July 14th in Portugal during their headlining set at NOS Alive huh. and cover Neil Young's Rockin' in the Free World
4: Interesting. Uh, with Pearl Jam.
1: Wow. So, Jack White played right before then at NOS. Is it Nas Alive? I'm I don't gonna know. go with that it doesn't matter. Then they he stepped on stage briefly during Pearl Jams song Porch, did a did a seven nation army riff and then stepped off stage and then came back on to uh with Dominic to play Rockin' in the Free World. Huh. Yeah, I think I've seen a lot of pictures from that. Yeah, I think the, the, the teaser image he used yeah. is from that. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's wearing the black shirt. And, yeah. Then in 2018, Pearl Jam covered We Are Going to Be Friends. Really? Uh, yep. At a huh. At a Seattle show as the encore. They kicked off the encore with We Are Going to Be Friends. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. NASA Alive was also 2018, so this is like kind of the year they're going back and forth. So Pearl Jam covered the white stripes and then jack when he was in seattle covered pearl jam's daughter that sounds weird they covered (laughs) (laughs) covered pearl jam's song daughter Uh in seattle in 2018 during the boarding house reach tour it was like situated between love interruption and cut like a buffalo they have that one uh at the Wamu theater in seattle now this is during the yonder pouch air of jack ah, so, so nothing there's no video of it however i have audio of it because someone left a recording inside the yonder pouch awesome love so that. you could you could hear what it's like inside of someone's pocket <laughs> <laughs> that's great i'm good i'm glad i'm glad somebody did that can we hear yes. some of it yeah uh, we we better James, that uh, sounded lovely. N- nothing's better than Eddie Vedder in a yonder pouch. Near you. So nice. <laughs> I would have killed two um, more covers on that tour. I, the song selection got a little samey for me on that tour. And so whenever a weird cover would come up or something like that, like I would get really, really excited about it. I think he played $3 hat at one of those shows. Like I went wish- I don't know. I was hoping for some variety at some point. Didn't he do that? Didn't he do $3 hat at some show? Wouldn't put it past him at all, but I I, I don't know. He rarely plays Dead Weather, so... I know. That's the only one he plays, like Blue Blood and Buffalo. a uh, Cut Like a Buffalo, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So we'll move right along to uh, some more baseball, Paul. Okay. Eddie Vetter and Jack White both love themselves a good baseball game, and I already kind of teased this a little bit, but Eddie Vedder is also a big fan of Warstick. Ah, uh, Yes. Co-owner Jack White's baseball bat company and assorted other sports stick company. Can I get ben, ben Jenkins and and Ian Kinsler? Can I guess? Can I guess which one this is? Sure. Is it the fact that Eddie Vedder wears a battle shirt all the time? Well, that is uh, the first okay, point nice. I have here. I got it. Is that Eddie Vedder is seen wearing a war stick? Uh, battle shirt in concert can you give uh, me one uh, fairly <laughs> <often>. for that <laughs> <laughs> eddie vetter voice grunt it's the grunt he does <laughs> you can see it at pictures of uh of eddie playing fenway park in 2016 prominently wearing the battle t-shirt you could see him wearing warstick hats occasionally too he's he's into the brand um, yeah and in 2019 so last year as of this recording eddie had dinner with ben jenkins and jack white in hawaii <laughs> to give uh the the whole thing was to give eddie vetter a warstick branded surfboard right right to to eddie to quote ben jenkins here on uh on his on his instagram surreal dinner with jack white and the vetters in hawaii the short story is i designed a warstick surfboard for eddie as a thank you for all the kindness he has shown the warstick fam Battle means so much to him, so many amazing stories, and just can't get over the joy in this guy. It's not what you expect. Funny thing is that he wrote the soundtrack for Into the Wild, one of my all-time favorite movies. That movie was a big part of changing my mindset a long time ago, which led me, which led to worrying more about making art and being outdoors more than being comfortable. No doubt in my mind, Warstick wouldn't exist if I hadn't seen it. Eddie Vedder loves the ocean, so I pulled the colors in the board design from A Big Wave. Huh it's possible also that at this meeting that jack white was able to be at an early listening party of sorts for the the latest pearl jam album right. that's coming out this year gigaton yeah. it was reported that eddie played the 2020 upcoming album for friends and family while in hawaii huh? on that very night basically uh, someone on facebook named ron pfeiffer wrote uh, eddie Vedder gets his newborn in hawaii tonight Heard the new album is pretty damn good. That may have leaked tonight at a dinner in Hawaii amongst friends. A friend of a friend was there tonight. This fellow Ron Pfeiffer wrote, so uh, it's possible Jack heard heard the album uh, early along with at this dinner. Wow, uh, with with Ben and and Jack. That's very interesting. Into the Wild, isn't that the the CGI dog movie with the Harrison Ford? I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Call of the What? I'm thinking of Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild is the one with the CGI dog and Old Man Harrison Never mind James, that's ridiculous Yeah, this Gigaton album is stirring some excitement in the Pearl Jam fan community, I was just talking to a friend of the show, Tom Valenti today about the upcoming album and how excited he and Aaron are for it and he mentioned that Pearl Jam is going to be playing Ohana Fest, which is uh, Eddie's music festival he has out here I guess in Los Angeles and he is playing solo one night, uh, Eddie Vedder, and then Pearl Jam is playing the second night. And I guess they don't usually play the festival. Eddie just sort of puts it on. So apparently, very, people very excited. Kind of reminds me it's, of how we were feeling about Boarding House Reach. I would reckon it more towards the Rack and tours because this is the first Pearl Jam album in seven years. Wow, so it's yeah. a long time. So it's been been a little, been a little bit, been a little bit. But, but yeah, exciting. Uh, there were a ton of photos taken at this gifting ceremony between Jack White and Eddie Vedder. It's so weird seeing Jack White in, Hawaii, in like, Hawaiian yeah. settings. He does, yeah. it looks like he doesn't belong. <laughs> he's too pale. Get that man on a hockey rink. Yeah, he's, he's out there in the waves with the cast jacket on. and <laughs> <laughs> Explaining to a shark what analog means. He's. I think he is wearing a coat. I feel like he is wearing a coat. <laughs> Oh uh, boy! And the baseball connections continue. Eddie Vetter releases a baseball 7-inch that's given away exclusively ah, at a, a Cubs game Yes, uh, that is printed uh, at Third Man Records similar to the the Third Man Records uh, Strikeouts Tigers. Yeah. yeah. Tigers game. So the the single is on red and blue vinyl. It features Vetter's 2007 Cubs anthem all the way on the A-side and A side, and 1984 recording of "Go Cubs Go" as its B side. And uh, it was given at Wrigley Field at the Cincinnati Reds versus Cubs game on July 6th of 2017, I believe. Wow. Oh, so boy. so Eddie Vetter did a baseball song in 2007 which is a full nine years before battle cry from jack so that's kind of interesting i i I just i wonder how much of jack and co's baseball song stuff was maybe inspired by eddie vetter doing that i don't know i don't either i mean I, i i would assume it's two separate things but maybe it's something in the back of his mind that he, that perhaps inspired him in some tangential way. They both know how to market a good baseball song, Paul. Sure, yeah, and they both uh, they both do market it well. I I know Eddie and Pearl Jam sold the rights to a lot of their music to Major League Baseball right. around the same time that Jack did. That brings us on to uh, the the last thing in this this year list is the live at Third Man album, the Vault Twenty Nine release. I have that one, Pearl Jam at third man records paul i have a i have a tenuous fact here that it's it's being held together by a couple stitches <laughs> and some turkey <laughs> some turkey bones james uh, yeah that's right and paul i'm keeping this i'm keeping this alive that's great Ragged bone Ragged bone, ragged bone. Ragged bone. Good. Ragged Bone is back. It's well, um, our whole podcast has really gotten weird. So I don't like, I think we sort of <laughs> retired the weird speciality segment, but let's bring it out of retirement and definitely <laughs> elbow bump it because it'll, it is in a danger yeah. zone. <laughs> let's elbow bump this up there a little bit. Paul, you want to explain what Ragged Bone is? It's when we find something weird and put it in our weird podcast. There you go. That's what we do. And, Paul, as I was researching this, I found something very weird because it's super tenuous. Uh-huh. Like, this this actually was in our Tenuous Connections subgroup, but it, it has to do with the live show to a degree. Yeah, Keith Urban, oh, country goodness. singer Keith Urban, <laughs> had a party celebrating his 20th, number one, Break On Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently he has these parties every time he gets a number one. Good for him. Yeah, I mean I would too. The Beatles used to do that. That's why they said yeah. they got fat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, and this particular celebration, he had he held it at Third Man Records in Nashville. Wow. Keith Urban. Uh, Keith Urban. He revealed and, there that the reason okay. he chose Third Man Records for this venue was was as follows, and this is coming from Country Countdown USA. The, the reporter Urban. says. I asked Keith why he chose Jack White's Third Man Records for the party. He said, I got invited to see Pearl Jam here, right on ah. this stage. There were only about 100 of us here, which is not true. I think there were 250, but whatever. You're Just a liar, Keith there, but You're a liar. And a, <laughs> and a, and a, and a very good singer-songwriter, apparently, because this is your 20th number one. Anyway, there were only about 100 of us here. It was right before Bonnaroo. I was reminded how awesome it is here my wife and my wife and jack white go back a long way what urbans and jack white go back a long way what go back where i so i've known jack a little bit i've been here several times but the last time i was like this is where we should do something next time we have something to do (laughs) and here we are uh i love it here it's all vibe it's just so jack Huh. Coming from Keith Urban, uh, he was at the Pearl Jam live show. That's the weird thing. It's uh, wild. It's a it's a bit of a ragged bone, but also there's this fun little tidbit of information in that same article, just, which I think, <laughs> which I just it's it's a it's a throwaway sentence, but I yeah. glommed onto it as like this is this is perfect. There was a bar. This this man who has never been to a Jack White Third Man <laughs> Records thing. Describing this for for country people, right? Goes, there was a bar set up under the elephant head, and some, sa- <laughs> and some sandwiches set up under the head of a gazelle. <laughs> I just—that's amazing. I have. I was thinking of John Mulaney had a great bit on Saturday Night Live where he was talking about your dad doesn't have any friends, your mother has friends, and and those are the people your dad sees and i'm just thinking about like the wife has jack white as a friend and he and keith urban have nothing to talk about and i wonder like is it was like when keith urban comes into the store is jack like just just tell him i'm busy or like (laughs) just tell him i started a fifth band like i can't (laughs) the guy elbow bumps me every time he sees me it's weird he got another number one? Are you kidding me? I love that That this is basically Jack's party planning committee. Like, <laughs> he had to go out and buy balloons. They're probably yellow and black, knowing him. Could we uh, rent out third? I think, well, I guess we would have to have a number one. James, I just, I, let's write a number one. It can't be that hard. It's got it's got like Disney show episodes written all over it. Like he's got a clipboard and there's people running around. He's like, "We'll put sandwiches under the gazelle in a bar under the elephant. Uh, <laughs> Where are the cupcakes?" <laughs> anyway, that James, that was a lovely bragging bone. Thanks for bringing it back. Yeah, you're welcome. man, well, hey, oh, look at all this. You don't I want it.
2: That.
1: You sure you don't want it? I can do it. Uh-huh. Take. It. Anyway, that brings us to this live album. Yeah, the live album is very good. So I have a confession to make. This live album was the first time I had ever listened to a long player of Pearl Jams in any way, shape, or form. The huh. first time I'd ever listened to an album of theirs straight through. Maybe the first time I'd ever listened to, like, all of a song of theirs. Maybe, really? when I got this. And I was also not, because I was just not... A Pearl Jam person at all, so I was all, it was also the vault I was least excited about getting, just because I wasn't... I just didn't... I don't know. It just didn't uh, have any special meaning for me, but I really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, as I'm sure we'll get to, Jack does solo on a song on there. I want to say maybe two, but certainly one, and yeah, he's, it sounds he's great. Yeah. It's a great package. They give you a really cool single, that Eddie Vedder recorded at the uh, Record Your Own Record booth or whatever. There's, there's one that yeah. Eddie Vedder did, and I think that's on clear vinyl. And It's a very nice package of a lovely book that came with it as well. So it was a yeah really well-put-together thing and kind of, kind of you know, made me interested. I think I had asked around to a couple people after that, like, what Pearl Gem should I listen to? And I think they gave me ten. Ten is good. Ten is very good. So is verses. I mean, they're the, the classics. Yeah. You might have been that I, people I asked, James. Perhaps. I would. I tend to lean towards verses. I know that's actually what Dad actually had a, a copy of. What? Of verses. Yeah. Well, Dad also had Bush albums, not the 41st and 43rd presidents of the United States. <laughs> yeah. He always had his fingers on the pulse of, right. of new rock and roll. Dad, if you're listening, are you a grunge fan? Side question Are you disaffected? If I recall. When I was getting into Pearl Jam, dad said, oh, yeah, I, I have this album. You can, if you want to, you know, listen to it. That is wild uh, to me. The thing you're then, saying is wild to me. But and that's then great. he said, I'm not a big fan. OK, that also. All right. No, yeah. yeah, But that's really cool. I never took the trip. I don't remember that at all. I feel like I knew his CD collection pretty well, but I don't remember that. That's, it was, that's very cool. Uh, so the, the live album was recorded on June 9th, <laughs> two days before Pearl Jam played their Bonnaroo performance on June 11th of 2016. It was a secret show of sorts inside the Blue Room. It had around 250 or so guests, which included 10 Club members and other invitees. It was recorded direct to acetate, which is a a thing that Jack White likes to do in the Blue Room. Yes, And it was recorded with the the foresight into putting it into a a vault release to to kind of co-market it with with the 10 Club. Right, Mike McCready, when talking about it, I think we've actually mentioned this quote before. But Mike McCready, when, when giving some commentary on it, he says that jamming with Jack White was really cool. Uh, he's got his effects and his guitar and how he plays and how he attacks it. It's unlike any other guitar player that's around. For me, it's a cool thing to be able to trade licks with him and look at him and see what he's doing and try to emulate that. Or I did it and he would do it back at me and kind of back and forth like that. It's, at least that's how I felt about it. Right. I remember I'm remembering and, the article you're referencing cuz I, right. I I think we talked about it in our first year in review episode. Yeah. And then he also he saw the session basically as a learning experience to pick up some new skills from Jack himself. He says I learn from every guitar player I play with, so watching him utilize some of his pedals and how he does give me kind of a few ideas. So I love learning and Jack White is a good teacher and also knows how to rock. There's just a coolness about him. There's a coolness in his playing that has an intensity that I love. Yeah. And this was during the this is during the jack drought too, so this is Yes. We were all starved for content at this point in time and we got a couple cool things. This was one of them. We got the best of which I think is what we thought might be the end <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't think the end the end, but yeah, I know what you I know what you mean. The We also got A Tribe Called Quest at this time, and we got American Epic, and we got The Muppets, and a handful of other little things. It looked like he was becoming a real just music guy, just a, 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 in the scene producing and creating and doing that sort of stuff, but not actually making albums in the bands that he was known for. Right, right. Which is kind of silly in retrospect, because it was only a couple of years, but no one knew, you know, so it was unclear what was happening next. And he, he sounded so disappointed with touring after Lazaretta. We're all right. like, is he ever coming back? And then, uh, yeah, but it, we were we were looking for for things to to latch on to. And this this Pearl Jam uh, vault was was one of them. it was one of those things going like, oh. Look, he's doing stuff. He's on stage. He's playing music. He's not playing the music that we know him for, but he's playing with Pearl Jam. And that's pretty great. Yep. The vault also contained a lapel pin, a patch, a photo collection taken by Jamie Goodsell, and, as you mentioned, the the single that Eddie recorded on June 10th, which was in the the, uh, recording booth. Uh, He recorded a solo single for Out of Sand, and uh, it's the same recording booth that Neil Young did his whole record in. Right cool stuff to go through the the set list real quick i know we we go through it in a minute but uh we have pendulum mind your manners half full life wasted deep then there's a a track that is in a locked groove of just audience noise huh and then on side b we have of the earth which jack white joins on stage four that's a song that has never been recorded to an album it's solely a live song that pearl jam has Uh, So people were very excited to hear this, and not only did they get to hear the song live, they got to hear it with Jack White on there as well. And when you listen to Of The Earth, it sounds a little like Consoler of the Lonely, the song, a little. At least at the beginning. There was like a boom (laughs) boom, 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 boom. it's not, it doesn't go Consoler of the lonely from there, but I did find some similarity. And I wonder, we talked a little bit about how Pearl jam affected Jack or influenced Jack. I wonder if there was any reciprocation in terms of influence, you know, at a certain point, I think there has to be, I think during the solo years is when Vedder took notice. Like, I I think all of this stuff is starting to go down in the solo years. I think when they're, they're starting to bump elbows. Right. (laughs) we continue on to hard to imagine and let me sleep is the the closer on there and cool album it's mastered at nashville R- record productions it's manufactured by united record pressing this is before they did they had the record pressing plant good friend vance powell over here mixing it yeah recorded by vance as well and assisted by by joshua v smith logan matheny and mike faye pretty neat the uh, oh yeah it has uh the, the matrix run out i don't understand the in jokes there but maybe that some Pearl Jam fans might, uh, it says unmute the boom and on side a and on side B, it says KW shouts in approval. Okay. I don't know what any of those mean, but somebody write us in, somebody tell us that's that album. Paul thoughts on the album. A lot of fun, Paul. Let's say we get to our third person. Oh, our third person for this week. And I'd like to, before we jump to the third person, I would like to apologize. I, it's going to sound as though I have very little to contribute to this conversation, but I promise you, a small creature was running around trying to color on everything at the time. And so I was listening and engaged. <laughs> let's, let's try to do that third person. Okay. We'd like to welcome our third person uh, this week. We have... Jesse Zilka from the Porch Podcast, the Pearl Jam Porch Podcast. So great to have you here. Thanks. We love your show. Oh, thank you. When you reached out to us, me and Paul both... Uh, we're excited. You guys are great. It's Thank very you. funny. Um,
0: <laughs> Thanks.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about your show?
0: Sure. Um, so my show is called The Porch Podcast. Um, I have a co-host named Kate Cotton. And basically, we sit down every week with a song from Pearl Jam's discography, and we kind of dissect it. We talk about the music and the lyrics and the impact of that it's had on their fan base and on, our, on each other other and just kind of, you know, shoot the about Pearl Jam, pretty much.
1: Yeah. So it's pretty fun. It's fun. Uh, You guys are not opposed to giving opinion and you're always always treating it, you know, as something you love. You know, it's not, you're not being hypercritical, but you're not being, you're not treating it with kid gloves. It's, it's, it's really, it's a nice refreshing podcast. I enjoy it quite a oh, bit. Oh, well,
2: thanks.
0: I'm glad you guys like it.
1: I really enjoyed the fact that I believe Kate calls Eddie Vedder Ed occasionally, which I'm not yes. used to hearing. For some reason, <laughs> hearing the name Ed Vedder is um, just, just I think, odd to me. I
0: think when you get so, and I use this term loosely, but when you get intimate with a band, it just comes naturally. Yeah. I don't typically call him Ed, but she will, on occasion, she'll throw out the Ed. The Ed. <laughs> Vibes, but let's be real. Who doesn't call Jack John?
1: From time I mean, to time? We, we call him John Gillis. You, oh, gotta, yes. you gotta, you gotta. I mean, for me and Paul, I know we can't say John without Gillis. Like it, you gotta, yes. you gotta use both, <laughs> both parts yep, of the name. Exactly. This week, it so happens to be coinciding with a uh, an episode we were doing uh, that we had been planning about Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder connections to Jack White. Cool. Which we had been planning for a little bit, and this kind of. Lit the fire under our butt to, to, to get on that. There you go. So are, are you a, a Jack White fan, a White Stripes fan, a Third Man fan? Oh,
0: yes. I'm a huge Jack White fan. Absolutely. Yes. I My love for Jack White started well before my love for Pearl Jam. Mm. So I have been, I started listening to Jack. Uh, I grew up listening to mostly like classic rock. So I didn't really start exploring my own musical taste till I got into like my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started listening to the first time I ever heard Jack. And I know I've heard him like, you know, you hear Seven Nation Army everywhere. Right. But the first time that I truly he caught my attention was when he performed Love Interruption. And I think it was Freedom at 21 on the Grammys uh, yeah. when he was uh, nominated for Blunderbuss. And I was watching it. And I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's crazy looking. I gotta know more about this dude, and so it was just like an endless cycle from there. And I started exploring the stripes, and uh, obviously his solo stuff, and the Dead Weather, and the Rocket Tours, and it just kind of evolved into this massive thing. Yeah, you so.
1: you jumped on at one of Jack's, shall we say,
0: crazier looks. Yeah, in <laughs> which he, he
1: had he had quite the mop on his head. <laughs> yes, I don't think he kept that.
0: Yeah, he chopped he chopped that off during Lazaretto. Got that
1: pompadour it, going on. Yeah, which is I think me and Paul's favorite favorite hairstyle it's
0: mine too yeah. he looked so grown up with it as I hairstyles
1: it. go you know it was really one of his finer <laughs> moments you know not to no, be too was. superficial about it although all. i
0: will say i loved watching during the lazaretto tour when he all of the new pictures would come out and you could see that he had put bobby pins <laughs> up in his hair because bless him he's got such curly hair and he really can't do that super well yeah so i always kind of chuckled at him for that yeah. I'm like oh jack sweet boy
1: well i thank you for for helping bring back our let's say infamous segment called jack white Haircast, in which we t- <laughs> we talk about jack white's hair for a while which we do often because it it can be of pretty course. bonkers oh yes so you jumped on board with the the solo stuff do you have a preferred kind of realm is it the solo stuff for that kind of nostalgic my reason or f-
0: my favorite realm of jack white is the tours. 100%. What
1: did you think um, of the new
4: album?
0: Oh, I love it, dude. And I saw them when they came to St. Augustine and it blew my mind. Nice. Yeah. I yeah. I we walked away from that show my husband and I and I like I was just in the car going, I can't believe I just watched that show. I mean yeah. they just absolutely melted my face off. It was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. But Lazaretto has a, a particular place in my heart because I started listening to him with Blunderbus, but and I like Blunderbus a lot. But Lazaretto just really got me. It was like really what made me kind of push into that super fan. Yeah. And so that album really does have a special place for me because it like you said, it brings up some nostalgia for me of Discovering how much I actually do love him and admire him as a musician and and just a figure in music, really. Yeah, you're talking
1: to the right people. We're big Lazaretto fans. And in the Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Jack White world, I don't feel like that's looked down upon. I feel like Blunderbuss is the Eh. expected album you're supposed to like more. But I prefer Lazaretto to it. Um, I do too. Yeah, you know, they're both good, but Lazaretto, I I think I agree with you. Like, there are memories that I've attached to that album cycle and tour and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I and I saw him the first time I saw him was on the Lazaretto tour, mm-hmm. so nice. that also probably played a big part in it as well. And I was a pretty, I mean, I was a newer fan, yeah. you know, so I'd only been listening to him for a year or two, and so you know, it. I went by myself; I had nobody. I literally have nobody in my life. My husband, <laughs> bless him, married me and became a fan of Jack. Aww. He's a big fan of Jack now, but. Up until, really, he came into my life, I have no friends that love Jack White <laughs> at all. So I went by myself to the Lazaretto show because I was like, I just got to be there. I got to go. Yeah. And, of course, it was amazing. Like I said, the Rocketeers, I just, I love them so much. But Lazaretto does definitely play a big part in my relationship with Jack and his music. So...
1: Yeah, Jack White, God bless him, has a has a huge fan base. However, I think me and Paul both suffer from the fact of uh, you have to find your Jack White friends who will be willing to go to the, yes. the concerts and stuff with you, or else you're dragging yep. your significant other along with you, um, mm-hmm. which I, I know we've both done in the past. I've embraced really lately the uh, the go it alone. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love going to shows alone. Maybe that may- sounds weird, but there's something that I c- I don't have to focus on anybody or anything else and I can just be there yeah and that's why I think the Lazaretto show was so impactful for me because not that I didn't want somebody to share it with, but I was sh- it, I felt like I was in a room with him alone mm-hmm. so to speak yeah. you know I didn't have to entertain anybody else I didn't have to communicate with anyone. I could just kind of be in my own zone and just be with him in that moment. Yeah, you know, yeah,
1: I felt the same exact way. Uh, it, it, similarly, uh, in, in going to concerts alone, I've I've had that that same kind of feeling. Mo- like smaller venues, I get that more than, mm-hmm. than larger ones, obviously. But uh, are a band that does not suffer as much from that is Pearl Jam because you, you throw a, a stone into a group of five people uh like four of them are going to like Pearl Jam uh <laughs> I don't know what that analogy was or metaphor or whatever I just said it didn't make much sense but don't, worry, James, uh, you're don't, doing throw, great. don't throw stones at Pearl Jam fans I think is what I'm trying to say anyway <laughs> I feel you yes yeah, there there's the, his fan base or Pearl Jam's and Eddie Vedder's fan base is is quite quite large and um uh, yes. dedicated I'll say to, yes. to the live shows and to to the music and oh yeah um you know, he's got a, a Grateful Dead kind of. I keep saying they him. do. I'm, they I'm really Eddie do. And, yeah, Pearl Jam. They have like a following. Uh, people who will go to see the concerts. Yep. And trade live songs. And you know, I saw this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Now, are you are you the type who would go see multiple shows on a on a tour?
0: Well, here's the deal. I only became a Pearl Jam fan in 2017. Well, oh wow! So yes, Jack first. so I am a young <laughs> fan. Oh yeah, Jack Way first. Uh, so in. April, I am actually seeing Pearl Jam for the very first time. Whoa. Wow. Awesome. Yes. So I'm very excited. I've seen Eddie by himself. I I live in Florida, and I went up to Nashville to see him play at Pilgrimage Festival up there oh, wow. when he soloed. And uh, just like with Jack, I had only been listening to Pearl Jam, well, gosh, only like three or four months by that point yeah. when I saw Eddie. So this will be my first experience like really knowing the band Really knowing their catalog really well and getting to experience that, so I'm really excited about it. I
1: love that type but of thing. Yeah, I, I've had that recently time. with a couple artists where it took me a really long time to get into them, and then I got hyper into them. And then seeing there's something about seeing them for that first time, like yeah, it, it just it can feel like a, like a religious experience. Just, I don't know how to describe oh, yeah. it, but yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I know it's going to be for me. Like I I love Jack Jack and Pearl Jam kind of sit together as, like, the top tier of my music taste, Mm -hmm. Jack has become more of a hero and inspiration for me. I own my own record store, and Third Man played a really big part in that for me, so that's awesome. Do you want yeah, to plug
1: the so store? Jack, what's what's the? Uh,
0: sure, what's, it's called Jesse Carl Vinyl. It's named after my late grandfather, uh-huh. and yeah, it's in Lakeland, Florida. If you ever in town, come say hi. That, was that some um, of the
1: giveaways you had on the show? You had like a slip mat with the logo yes, and stuff, right? Yes,
0: yeah. uh huh. So Third Man really played a big part in that for me because I constantly get inspiration from how they run their business. Like Jack is such a smart businessman. And he does everything so meticulously and inclusively. And it's just, every time I go up there, I'm just, like, amazed by every detail, how he's thought, like, four steps ahead of it. And so, he's kind of shifted from not just being one of my favorite artists to being, like, the person that I look up to. Mm -hmm. um, And I really get inspiration from. Whereas Pearl Jam... Their music... I, I love the dudes in Pearl Jam, but I don't quite have the connection to them on a personal level that I do with Jack, whereas their music, mm-hmm. I have a very deep connection to. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them. I, I, It hasn't hit me that I'm going to see them <laughs> at all. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm going. Yeah. So, and Kate and I, my co-hosts, we're meeting for the first time there because we don't live in the same state, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that's going to be exciting too Wow! So
1: I know for me and Paul Jack White shows when we see them there's a certain ritual that goes to them is, the, is there any concert rituals that you have that I mean this is going to be a, a whole new thing because it's, obviously it's a new experience you're seeing Pearl Jam yeah. you're going to be seeing it with your yes. your co-host for the first time yeah. uh, is, yeah. is she going does she have any concert rituals that she's going to indoctrinate you in or are, are you um, planning on doing I anything I don't
0: know we haven't really talked much about it I know that so there's quite a quite a community of podcasts in the Pearl Jam world Mm -hmm. um Kate and I actually connected through like the OG uh, Pearl Jam podcast called Single Podcast Theory Mm -hmm. and so she's become friends with them she's gone to a few concerts with them and then I've just connected with them over social media so all of us are getting together the night before just like hang out and like Talk Pearl Jam and spend time together, so that may start becoming a tradition if we can all make it, you know, in town. I'm sure that'll start uh, a tradition for us. But awesome. other than that, I'm I'm just like I'm just here <laughs> experiencing, like whatever we do, you know, as long as it's not breaking the law, I'm am I'm for it.
1: So well, <laughs> well, that brings us to Nashville, uh, which is a good segue. Uh, they played Third Man Records in Nashville yes. at a surprise show. Yes. and mm-hmm. recorded it for a vault that they released. I've got it in front uh, of me here. It's a little dark. In I your, do, too. Oh, Look, me, too. <laughs> I'm the only <laughs> person. I, I don't have it. <laughs> uh,
0: yep, I have it.
1: Um, so, you know what's
0: hilarious is when I got this vault, I was not a Pearl Jam fan
1: really? at all. Me neither.
0: And I actually had a distaste for Pearl Jam because my brother, my older brother, who really shaped a lot of my music in my teen years, was always like... Oh, Eddie Vedder sucks. He's so bad. And so I was like, Oh, Pearl Jam. Like, I don't want this. And I almost sold it, but I didn't. And now I'm like, Thank God I did not sell that.
1: Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> because I it would have
0: uh, been the
2: worst. I
1: think I, my only knowledge of him was that that Weird Al song, "My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder," uh, and uh, <laughs> I have that one. And I knew maybe like the one where he's like, "I'm still alive." Or whatever. Like, I knew a couple. Sure. But. When I listen to this for the first time, I you know it's still not I still have some sort of a grunge disconnect in my brain, like it just doesn't all the way register for me sometimes. But
4: mm-hmm. the
1: musicianship really impressed me, and the energy impressed yeah. me, and the songs impressed me. Sure. When I heard of the Earth for the first time, and I know that one has a, a mixed, a complicated history, but. When I heard that, I was like, my God, like, no wonder Jack is friends with these dudes. Like, there was a lot of Mm -hmm. overlap. I could feel it, you know?
0: Yeah, Pearl Jam is, like, people kind of, from the outside in, people kind of just see Pearl Jam as, you know, that group that sang that song about the kid that killed himself in school. Like, they, and I was this way. I was this person. Mm -hmm. So I can attest to this, like... I had so much judgment against them because I just thought they were super stereotypical. I love grunge music. I'm a big grunge fan, and I was a, I'm still am a massive Chris Cornell fan. I started listening to Nirvana in middle school, so like to me, I thought Pearl Jam was like the one that was like uncool to like like. <laughs> no. But getting to be in their fandom and like getting to know their fan base and their community and who they are as people and like they have poured so much artistry into their career and they're so meticulous with everything that they choose like set lists are never the same they're constantly doing like of the earth has never even been released right. on an album like and and the crazy thing is that's the one that Jack White was yeah. on yeah. which means Jack knew that song yeah. which means he's listening to them
1: and him and Mike McCready were just yes. going back and forth on that too they were they, go oh, man. they, they that killed song. it
0: they killed it yeah. and yeah and this particular performance you could definitely tell there was definitely an air in that room like they were pumped to be there Mm -hmm. and the i i've listened to a lot of different concerts of pearl jam and they were on point on every single song that they played On this. I mean, there was no flaws to it at all. Yeah. And that just means that they're comfortable where they are, which is exactly what Jack wants us to all feel when we're there is that we're comfortable in that space and can kind of create this, you know, whole new level of communicating through music. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Pearl Jam, seriously, I've been on both sides. And Pearl Jam is one of the most creative and hardworking bands in the industry. And I think that's why their fans love them so much, is because they just do everything for their fans.
1: Yeah. Jack White has the vault, but Pearl Jam has had the 10 Club for a lot longer. Oh, since, and yeah, that since is, 91. Mm-hmm. That seems almost like the, the kind of the base of what the vault is trying to be like. It's such a good fan club that that has a lot of good incentives. And I know that this particular vault was available to 10 club members as well. Are you you a 10 club member?
0: Oh, yes. Wait, did you say (laughs)
1: 1991? Yes. That seems egregious. Wait, what? was like like mail order was like old school netflix like what
0: yeah well actually the last song on the set of this performance let me sleep uh, that was they used to do they actually just stopped doing it they announced that like last year they did a what they called a christmas single at the end of every year for their 10 club and let me sleep was the one that came out in 1991 So they just mail-ordered it to a bunch of people. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. And they literally just stopped doing the Christmas singles. If it wasn't this past Christmas, it was the Christmas before. Yeah. It's been like in the past year or two that they just, they decided they had done all they can do and... Everything, But yeah, since 91, every year they've been doing, and they do more than just that, but that's like the traditional thing that they've been doing every year since 91.
1: So you said uh, that their set lists are varied in a good way, and that's what I really appreciate, mm-hmm. by the way, about the Lazaretto tour, the Blunderbuss tour, the set lists were so varied and stuff. When you look at a set yeah. list... Like the album we're talking about here, do you do you find those to be uh, sort of erratic selections, unusual selections? Like, should we go through just sort of track by track and kind of sure. talk a little bit about sure. that? Well, I guess we start off here with Pendulum. Yeah. Is that an unusual song to hear them play live? Or
0: Lightning Bolt was their most recent album when this when this uh, concert happened. Lightning Bolt came out in 2013. I think this was in 2016 that they yeah. recorded this. Um, so I'm not surprised that they opened with two fan favorites from Lightning Bolt. Pendulum is a fan favorite, and Mind Your Manners is just like a balls-to-the-wall kind of song. Typically, with Pearl Jam, they like to do more of like a slow burner when they open. So Pendulum, kind of sits in that medium spot. It's not super fast, but it's not super slow. And it's also from their most recent work. And then they obviously go right into Mind Your Manners, which just like, you know, slaps you in the face. Yeah, it
1: shreds that one. yeah.
0: Yeah, they do. They do great. So yeah, I'm not surprised at all that they opened with Lightning Bolt songs. I think it's what... They were most at the forefront of playing at the time. Right. Um, whereas when you get into like seventeen and eighteen, where we kind of were still in this limbo of oh, we haven't gotten a Pearl Jam album since two thousand thirteen, they kind of play different things. But uh, I think I think that's why they opened with those two. Personally, me, I'm just basing it off of my thoughts. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Pendulum was a decent slow burner. Um, still on their most recent album And then Mind Your Banners Is just one of those Their fast pace You know Windmill kick you in the face Kind of songs So um, The one that surprised me Is actually the third one Which was Half Full yeah. From Riot Act Fans that like quit after like no code in the 90s, but then you have the mm-hmm. fans like me that love it all. And Riot Act, um, it's not really talked about too much. Uh, Riot Act and Binarl are two albums that are often overlooked. A lot of like mega fans like it, right, but right. Um, where do those rest so in the canon them,
1: the, like early 2000s? We talk um,
0: early 2000s, yeah. Binaural came out in 2000, and uh, I believe. Right, Act was either 2002 or 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was surprised to see Half Full. I love Half Full. It's an amazing song, and it's super bluesy and jammy. And so it being in Third Man, where Jack is, like, known for his love for blues, I think <laughs> it fit in really well.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but that was one that I was really surprised that they they touched Were on. Were those albums?
1: Was so. there any element of response to the garage rock kind of like scene at that time uh, in those records? W- was w- would that maybe be responsible for a change in sound?
0: I don't. I don't really know. I mean, I kind of separate Pearl Jam's catalog into chapters, so. Ten through No Code as a chapter, Yield as its own chapter, and then Binaural and Riot Actor a chapter. Mm-hmm. They were going through some really hard times as a band during that era. They had the whole Ross Guild festival happen where um, several people got trampled in their crowd and passed away. Yeah, it was rough.
1: I know doing the research for the Six Degrees episode that we did a couple weeks ago named David Cassidy, the same thing happened to him where some fans got trampled, and it scarred him for life. Like, yeah, He was just like, I never wanted that to happen again.
0: Yeah, they, in Pearl Jam 20, the documentary that Cameron Crowe did on them on their 20th anniversary, I think it was Jeff, the bass player, that says there was before Ross Guild Pearl Jam and there was after Ross Guild Pearl, Pearl Jam. Um, that's how they separate their career, basically. Mm. Wow. And I think particularly Riot Act, which is where Half Full came from. That was done, like, right after Ross Guild. I definitely feel like... (sighs) I'm glad they did those albums. I wouldn't trade them for anything. I love Riot Act. Binaural, I'm not as close to, but I really do love Riot Act a lot. Um, But a lot of people feel like they're very dark, very slower paced. And then they came out with Avocado after that, and it kind of kicked back into, like what people expected from Pearl Jam in a way it was like a return to form so to speak
1: yeah my friend who was my pearl jam sherpa uh, if you will who who <laughs> led me through the albums he did kind of stop at yield yeah. for me he was like it, it gets kind of weird after that and then when the the avocado album came out he was just like oh this is great you should listen to this and right. i'm like okay uh, but you know he he was he he really instilled the early Better to me, and like he—he he also showed me like Stone Temple Pilots and all that. He was far more into that—that sure. that kind of realm. But uh, yeah, it really instilled a, a love of the the faster paced, uh, edgier material that you get out of sure. ten. And then uh, yeah, it was—it was a return to form. So I'm enjoying hearing some backstory <laughs> to them. Uh, yeah. is what I'm trying to get that. Well, at.
0: definitely listen to them because I mean, yeah, they're different than everything from ten to yield, but Binaural and. Riot Act, I think, are two albums that they got really. I use I, I use this term loosely, but experimental. They were kind of like, listen, we're just gonna do what we want to do, not what people expect of us, and we're gonna write from our more from our heart. Binaural is really cool because um, they actually used, and I I'm not exactly sure the whole terminology, but I'm pretty sure there's like a form of recording. Um, it's called like binaural recording, where mm-hmm. you set microphones up in different parts of the room. And you record in that way. And so a lot of that album is actually recorded in that format, um, Mm -hmm. which is what makes it really cool. So, like, their song of the girl, which is on binaural, is a really good example of that. You can really hear the space between all of the instruments and, like, how they set things up in the room. It just, it's very... Interesting, and then like I said, Riot Act was shortly after Ross Guild, so there's a lot of reflection going on in Riot Act, and you know they're singing songs like "Can't Keep" and "Love Boat Captain" that are just very reflective of you know where they were at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, we yeah, we, there, there was some experimental stuff when the, in the Jack world in the Boarding House Reach era. Do, do you know where you where yes. did you land on that sound for Jack?
0: I I like Boarding House Reach. I don't love
2: Boarding
1: House Reach. (laughs) I like
0: certain songs off of it, and then there are some things that I'm like, this is just not my cup of tea.
2: Man, please have another cup
4: of tea?
0: However, I I had a lot of customers kind of come to me because all of my customers, they know that I love Pearl Jam and that I love Jack White. So within the first two weeks, they were like, okay, well, what'd you think of Boarding House Reach? And I'm like, you know, like... I'm so proud of him for doing something that's so completely different than what he's done before. Like, he has earned the right to do that. He has given us so much music that people expect of him and let him have some experimental fun. Who cares if it's not my favorite album by him? I don't care. I'm just glad he did it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's fair. I think me and Paul, we loved it when it came out. And I think a lot of that had to do with us... Defending our boy John mm-hmm. Gillis. Yes, uh, we're like, look, this is good stuff. You people have to realize this. Everybody around us needs to realize that this is music. You people are totally yeah. absurd. Yeah. <laughs> we do really like it. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: gonna be hard. It's gonna be really hard in his, at least in the realm of his solo music, to top Lazaretto for me.
1: Yeah, I just don't yeah, know same. how.
0: Not that he can't, yeah. but it's A- gonna agreed. be hard.
1: It's a high note and it's it's a high bar to to pass. So, eh, we'll we'll see on his on his next on his next venture. Uh, the Rack and Four yes. stuff really was above our our expectations, I think. Oh um, yeah, I
0: love that album so much. But It took me a minute, but I love it.
1: But speaking of things that are easy to digest to the fan base, next up on the album we have Life Wasted mm-hmm. and Deep. What what are your thoughts on on these two songs here?
0: I like Life Wasted. It's kind of just one of those you know fast paced upbeat songs that they have it's it's not really particularly something that i'm like super in love with but it's not something that i hate deep on the other hand i love
2: Mm -hmm.
0: deep yeah i love deep
2: i like that one Uh, a lot that's probably
0: my favorite like a deep cut no pun intended deep cut from 10 experience with Pearl Jam, one of my best friend's dad is a major Pearl Jam fan, and he had been pestering me for as long as I've known him to get into Pearl Jam, and I was just like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. And he was just like, listen, just take a night, go home, don't watch TV, don't cook dinner, just sit down and listen to 10 and see what you think. And so, it literally, that album changed my life. Like, Every song on the album is so important to me, um, so I could go on and on about it. But Deep, I, I think Deep is such a unique song. I love the lyrics to Deep. I love that they threw it in this set list because it, it is not what people are expecting. People are expecting Jeremy. They're expecting even flow. They're expecting Alive. And so to get Deep, I think, is a testament to them. But one thing I wanted to point out, and I and deep is what made me think of this, is a lot of times Pearl Jam will consult with, uh, like if they have a, like a celebrity friend present at their show, or they have like a fan from 10 Club that's been a member since like 1991, they'll like let them pick out songs to put on their set list. Huh. And I wonder if they looked at Jack and were like, what do you want to
1: hear? That tonight? is a very good <laughs> um, possibility. I feel like that yeah, probably Yeah, because happened.
0: I feel like a... I feel like half full, deep of the earth, hard to imagine. Those are all really deep cuts for Pearl Jam, and I feel like Jack was like, you know what, you should play this one. <laughs>
4: and they're like, oh, good idea. I'll write that
0: down. You know what I'm saying? So, because um, I mean, the lightning bolt songs and life wasted are to me are very standard, something that Pearl Jam would play, but everything else. If you go onto Pearl Jam's website, you can actually see how many times they've played each of their songs live. Damn. I, me and Kate actually use a website called livefootsteps.org. And that's a very, very great website if you're interested in Pearl Jam stuff. But mm-hmm. all of the stuff, Pendulum, Mind Your Manners, Life Wasted, they've been played a lot. Everything else on this play on this, uh, set list has not been played very often at all.
1: See, now if, if, if Jack were to request something, I would assume it would be bugs from Vitology. <laughs> which is.
0: I mean, a and you know what? Song. He may have said bugs, and Eddie goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how often they've played bugs, but I don't think it's much.
3: <laughs> bugs in my pockets. Bugs in my shoes. Bugs in the way I feel about you. Bugs on my window, trying to get in. They don't go nowhere. Waiting, waiting. Bugs on my ceiling.
1: Uh Paul, I don't know if you've ever heard "Bugs" uh off of this this great album. Uh, it's a, it is a great album. Vitology is, is it is excellent. Yeah. But this song is it's a fun song. Bonkers. All right, so we'll we'll move right along. Next, we got what do we have next? Uh, of the Earth, hard is to next. imagine. Oh, oh well, the, yeah, they're... yeah. Untitled is what is what it has on Discogs, and now
0: yeah, there's. I read about that actually. There's like on the record, there's like uh, I don't know if it's like a hidden track or whatever, but there's basically like a couple of grooves where it's just like crowd uh. noise. Uh. And that's what
1: that is. I've also seen lots yeah, of complaining so. on Discogs about popping and hissing where the orange meets the black on the, the actual record itself, since it's a split color or something. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I haven't... I didn't have
0: a... Mine sounds yeah, great. Yeah, I have
1: not had that experience either. I read a lot about it, though. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, the internet <laughs> is an echo chamber for complaints. These, complaint, but...
0: these audio files and their yeah. obsession with clicks and pops... <laughs> Who cares? It's what records are supposed to sound right. like. Yeah,
1: it's part of the part of the charm, you know.
0: It is, it is part of the charm.
1: Agreed. It's part are of for
0: the as Jack White says. It's part of the romance. Exactly.
1: exactly. Oh man, I love that man's uh, d- dedication to, to making vinyl files weep. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I put a record inside a record, so you have to crack it, like so you have yep. to break your favorite thing. Uh, which, of course, That's people... why I have
0: two copies of Lazaretto, uh. because one day I'm actually going to get the center labels off and play what's underneath there. I just haven't <laughs> done it yet, because getting those suckers off is tough. You can and play I'm, it right I'm, over I'm... top of them. Well, that, might, that would destroy needle. my needle. Yeah, no, it's bad for your
1: needle. <laughs> I had to buy a new one after doing that Sea of Cowards, I think, for the fourth time or whatever, but... Was it worth it? Yeah. No, not really. 30 bucks? No, no, no I don't need to spend that.
0: Oh, that. see, my needle's $100, so Ooh. I can't do it.
1: I can't. But well, you also I'm own saying. a record store, so I feel like you have to have the the good equipment. Yeah, you're not playing it on a Crosley, I'm assuming. Yeah, I have
0: to have more yeah. top-of-the-line stuff, Yeah. Yeah, my needle cost me $100 oh in replacement. so sorry, Jack, I just can't do it. Yeah,
1: that's fair. So, Of the Earth, which is the the next song, uh, yes. featuring Jack White, coming <laughs> up on stage, locking eyes with Mike McCready, both of them going back and forth. I love this song a great deal. It's and great. I, it's fantastic. It's surprising to me that they haven't found a place for this on an album, and I feel like at this point, they're not going to put it on they're an not. album. They're not. I don't yeah. think
0: they will. Well, this was an outtake from The Avocado era, mm. so it didn't start getting played live until the late 2010-ish. Um, I think that actually it, yeah, I wrote it down. It first debuted in 2010. Okay. I tried to find some information on this song because I'm like, surely Ed or Stone has talked about this at some point, but there, re- I saw one random person on, on uh, Reddit say Eddie said one time about this song but I can't remember the quote, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. Eddie said that uh They don't want this song to be on an album. They want it to be special to their live performances because people are so... They gravitate so much toward their live performances and they think it's special that it's something exclusively for when they tour and stuff, so... But again, the fact that Jack got up there and shred on this song when it's such a rare song. They've only played it like 12 times. That's why I have this theory that Jack picked a lot of the songs on the Mm -hmm. set list, because I feel like Jack was like, I want to play this song. Can we play this song? You know what I'm saying?
1: He's got to be a fan. He he has to be. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. In preparation for tonight, I actually listened to back in 2014 when Lazaretto was dropping. Mike McCready did an interview with him on SiriusXM, on their Pearl Jam channel, Mm -hmm. and Jack talked about how, back in Detroit, when he was growing up, that uh, Pearl Jam really stuck out to him, and he really loved them because they were incorporating a lot more blues and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix-type sounds into their music, as opposed to like Nirvana and all the other ones that were just very noisy and stuff like that. Pearl Jam had a lot more of a Blues rock core, and so uh, in that interview, Jack was saying like I was immediately gravitating to Pearl Jam as a kid because they had that sound that I loved so much. So I think he's listened to Pearl Jam for a long time. Yeah, yeah that
1: makes sense to me. I've he he's more of a a punk a punk rock listener, and grunge is a, is a kind of an extension of that. But I, I, you're, I, I think the blues aspect of Pearl Jam can, does shine through. Yeah, quite a bit, and I'm, it seems like something he would he would gravitate towards.
0: Yeah. And Mike McCready is so influenced by like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Mm -hmm. particularly Jimi Hendrix, Muddy Waters. I mean, Mike talks about them all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. people have claimed that that Mike is just completely ripped off of Stevie Ray Vaughan on multiple occasions. And (laughs) and Stevie Ray Vaughan is a phenomenal blues guitarist. So yeah, they definitely, I mean, even back to 10, you can hear a lot of his blues influence kind of Throughout each song, and and again, that's what makes Pearl Jam so special to me. Is that whereas Nirvana and and even Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, they kind of they're encapsulated in that time period. I feel like Pearl Jam kind of pulls that apart, and you know is still super relevant to rock and roll today.
1: They've really outlasted the grunge wave. Like Alice in Chains has tried. uh, but their sound is is a little more difficult for me to to kind of get in like into, and Pearl Jam really does transition well throughout the the decades.
0: Yeah, well, and it's hard because Eddie is the only surviving frontman of any of the grunge bands. Yeah. that were around Nirvana, and,
1: and not only that, um, he created the the. The grunge voice to a degree I mean Nirvana yeah. had that but he's the one who gave it that twang <laughs> that, that's, yeah, I that, mean, it, that Eddie twang
0: I mean really if you look at each of the, the big four Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden Alice in Chains they all have very distinct sounds uh, personally to me like nobody on this planet sings like Chris Cornell mm-hmm. I think that that man has the voice of a god I just mm-hmm. don't understand how he can reach four different octaves It just it's unreal but to me, Pearl Jam, yeah, it's like you said, Pearl Jam created this movement. You had all these copycats coming out trying to sound like Eddie. Yeah. And, you know, it. and some of them did okay, and some of them were not good. You think
1: Chad Kruger's in that camp? Ch- old chatty boy's yeah. like, yeah, you know, he's... Well, you know, everybody,
0: there's like this, I think it's from like MTV or VH1, this like claymation thing of Eddie Vedder and Scott Stapp from Creed, like fighting in a (laughs) ring and they're like pulling each other's limbs off and like pulling out their entrails. I think Eddie ends up winning, obviously. And I'll admit, I like me some Creed music, but you know, you have people like Scott Stapp who are just, they're just trying to be Eddie. I mean, he just, he Brought this whole new element to being a vocalist that hadn't really been done before.
1: But you could draw a direct line from from Creed to Nickelback, and so yeah, Paul, I think Chad <gasps> Kroger does actually take. I'm not comparing the bands at all. I'm just saying this. Say
0: I I will stick up for Creed in that in that. Uh, that statement because i think nickelback is trash <laughs> and i think that creed at least has some element of good i mean freaking one last breath is my jam like i rock out to that song there's nothing about nickelback that makes me even want to show any sort of emotion
1: at well, just, all. have you look at just look at this photograph <laughs>
0: look at this graph have you seen that
1: <laughs> I love the oh man the memes where they just take away bits of the song He's just yes uh, it's great okay, it's amazing
3: <laughs> look at this graph every time I do it makes me graph how did our eyes get so red and what the hell is on Joey's graph this is where I grew graph I
1: think the president owner graphed it up I never knew we ever went without The second floor is just the steering wheel we talked with Sean Cannon from the Striped Podcast about this, where bands started sounding like the White Stripes after sure. the White Stripes hit it big, and you know it, it's still still going on into this day. And same same goes for Pearl Jam, and I think Jack and Pearl Jam are very similar in that they do create they're they're into creating movements, they're into creating mm-hmm. a, a dedicated fan base. When I see a and this happens more often than you'd think, I pass by a car and I'll see a Pearl Jam like sticker on the back. And in my head, I'm like, I, sh- I, I'm your kin. I- <laughs> <laughs> you, you and I would get along very well because you like- know what's
0: hilarious is I never see people with Pearl Jam stickers <laughs> really? on their car. And so any like, I think I saw, I think I've seen since becoming a fan one dude on Interstate Four, which is a really bad road to get excited on because yeah. it's really dangerous. and There's lots of traffic, especially when you're driving to Disney World. Uh-huh. But I literally was like. Hey, <laughs> hey! I love Pearl Jam too, yeah. and he was like thumbs up at me because I was just like trying to wave him down. I was so excited.
1: It's it's an exciting. There was one instance where I saw a peppermint swirl yeah. bumper sticker on somebody's car, and I was like, I I need to follow you through traffic to find know, you right? and tell you, you that friends. I also listen to this band.
0: It's like Kurt when when Jack White was on the Muppets and him and Kermit stopped at this red light together. <laughs> hey man, and you Kurt can Kermit's drive like, Jack. Quite
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's zoom through these last two songs here. Okay. Hard to, hard to Imagine and, and Let Me Sleep.
0: Yes, Hard to Imagine. I love that song. I don't know if it's in my top 10 Pearl Jam songs, but it's definitely in my top 20. It is amazing. Um, it was originally in a soundtrack for the movie Chicago Cab. Um, mm. But then they reissued it um, in the early 2000s on their compilation Lost Dogs, which is literally just a comp of, like, all of their B-sides and, like, outtakes and stuff like that.
1: Now, was Chicago Cab a sequel to Mr. T's DC Cab? So you
2: can do what you want to do, but I owe it for helping me find the things I never had before, like pride and dignity.
1: But Hard to
0: Imagine is a really rare song. It has not been played very much. It's a very a special song to the fan base because we kind of have taken that on as, like, one of our, like, themes for being a Pearl Jam fan. So it's a very uh, sweet thing that they put that in that very intimate set they did at at Third Man. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said before, Let Me Sleep was their original christmas single that they put out it's right, actually right, right. called let me sleep in parentheses it's christmas time <laughs> um, so they actually do sing about christmas in the song uh, but it's a very laid back acoustic-y kind of song they typically like to close out with again a more of a slow burn so but that that song has not been played much either and that's why again i i i'm just set dead set on the fact that i think jack picked a lot of these songs and I think it would just I, if I ever meet the man, I'd be like Jack. Well, oh, I have like an ongoing list of questions I want to ask him, uh, you, but you this would be both. one of them. I feel like there's yeah. also a
1: slim tr- possibility Blackwell picked a couple.
0: Yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, maybe.
1: He's got he's got an ear for this stuff, and he he knows rarities. So
0: so I know that you guys have talked to him before, and I was when I told my husband I was coming on to this podcast, I was like, "They've interviewed Ben Blackwell," and he's like, <laughs> "Okay," and I'm like. You don't understand. That's like this close to Jack. And we actually, last time we were in Nashville in September of last year, we went up there for our one year anniversary. And we just happened to be in third man when the lady was like, hey, we actually have like three more tickets left for our uh, facilities tour if you guys want to come on, it's like $20 a person. Of course, my husband couldn't throw the credit card at the woman fast enough, because I was just like, so anyway, we were sitting in the blue room, actually, we had Gone in there for her to show us everything, and Ben walks in <laughs> nice. to like do something, and I w- I literally like slap my husband <laughs> on the side. I'm like, oh, "It's Ben
4: Blackwell,"
0: and he's like, "Who's <laughs> that?" And I'm like, It's <laughs> like the closest thing to Jack White you could get," and he's like,
4: "Okay." So uh, when I
1: explained to my wife that yeah. we were going to interview Ben Blackwell, she I, and I was I like paused, and I was like, "Okay, this is exciting because," and she's like, "No, no, no." <laughs> I'm married to you. I have an understanding of Ben Blackwell at this point. (laughs) It's (laughs) fine. Yes. Yep.
0: Yes. Yep, yep. So it's very exciting. That's so cool. Did you get a chance to talk to
1: him when you were there?
0: No. They had just had a show there the night before. I can't remember who was there. And so he was kind of like directing people to... Oh, yeah kinda of put things away and stuff, but he kinda of stood in there for a couple of minutes while the girl was telling us about the history of the room or whatever and I was just like trying not to be like stare at him from behind. <laughs> I was trying to like focus. But I really just wanted to be like, hey,
2: hey, hey, is Jack here? He
1: is he is super nice. Like if you're ever there again, he is always ready to talk to, to fans and sign stuff. That dude is is the best. Um, yeah, him and well, it's, it's
0: my dream to work there, so one
1: yeah. day. They're good people, and, and Olivia Jean is very kind to us and, you know, made Jack listen to our podcast in a car, so we're, you know, we're thrilled. <laughs> Stop yeah. it.
0: That will, just so y'all know, that will never happen for me. <laughs> <Bless>. Pearl Jam <laughs> will know. never listen to my podcast, ever. Uh, you, and, you know, I'm okay with it.
1: What you gotta do is find someone who's close to Eddie, to Ed, as kids is, and have... Have them do what everybody does to get people to listen to podcasts trap them trap in, a trap car. Them in a car
0: <laughs> Kate's boyfriend actually he has a friend that works for Pearl Jam, Ooh. and so yeah, we've always been like, can he can he do? And it's just very like, I feel like if they found out about this because there's me and her. Single Podcast Theory, Live on Four Legs, The Better uh, Band Podcast, and the Jamily Matters Podcast. So there's five wow. of us. There's five. Actually, and then the Wishlist Foundation has their own, too. So there's six that's of us. Lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And I feel like if they knew that all these people were sitting down to dissect their music, I think Eddie would find that the most fascinating thing in the world. <laughs> they,
1: I mean, And I feel to like know. they would
0: want to be a part of it. It's just getting on the right, ladder to climb up to get it to them whereas with Jack I feel like Jack is actually very surprisingly enough I feel like I know quite a few people and like two or three people in my life which is way more than I ever thought that are like that have met him that have spent time with him and so he seems much more tangible and reachable than than Pearl Jam is and that you know yeah I I, think and I love Pearl Jam so so much, but when it comes to the dudes of Pearl Jam, if I had to choose between meeting them and meeting Jack, I would meet Jack. Oh, so wow. Yeah. wow,
1: that's that's yeah. that's coming. To, he, that's high praise coming from someone who hosts a Pearl Jam podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, he's not just a musician to me. He's he's shaped a lot of my life because without him, I I don't know that I'd have my record store if it weren't for my love for Jack and you know, getting to know third man and stuff like that. I just think that I wouldn't be where I am now without him. So Uh,
1: thank you for being on the front lines of getting music, tangible music in the hands to people with your record store. That's awesome.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's It's a fun job.
1: I think this is a, a, a great note to to end this interview on. Thank you for joining us so much. Yeah, thanks, Jesse.
0: Oh well thanks for having me.
1: Uh, yeah, is is there I mean, obviously there's the Porch podcast. Everybody should go out and listen to that. It's <laughs> uh it's funny, informative. It's a comfortable show to be in. Like I, I was I put it on in the car and I'm like, oh this is great. It, it's 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 amazing. So well, people you. should listen to the Porch podcast. It's available everywhere it seems. You guys yes. do YouTube and, and SoundCloud and Spotify and all of the ways to find podcasts. Is there, uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug? There's your, your record store in, in Lakeland that everyone should visit. Uh,
0: yeah, if you're ever in Lakeland, come visit Jesse Carl Vinyl. I will be there. I am always there forever, every day of my life. <laughs> the life of being a small business owner. No, I'm not. I actually have an employee, so I have a life now. Yeah, come and do that and then listen to the Porch Podcast. Anybody's welcome. Um, even if you're a new Pearl Jam listener or you're not super into Pearl Jam, you can Get to know them through the podcast, and I think doing it song by song is a good way to kind of dip your toes into the Pearl Jam world and not just dive headfirst in the things you don't know about. So, um, yeah, other than that,
1: oh, it's, that's pretty much all I got. That song by song thing, by the way, great idea.
0: Well, you know, it's funny when Pearl Jam announced Gigaton... <laughs> Kate goes, well, guess what? We have 13, 14 more weeks of episodes because we have all this new music coming. So uh, just a little bit longer on our podcast.
1: Jesse, thank you so much. Uh, thank you
0: for having me. And, thank you,
1: Jesse. Uh Come come back soon. You're welcome on it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And we'll have to figure something out to get you guys on the porch. Maybe. maybe in the near future, Jack and Pearl Jam will unite and do a song together and we can <laughs> sit down and we can talk about it. That sounds like Fair. fun. Yeah, I'd love to do
1: that. Right,
0: I know. I think they should do that, Jack. If you're listening,
1: contact Eddie. (laughs) If you are telephoning Olivia,
0: and then you know, then record a song with him, maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're gonna get back to the show. Thanks, Jesse.
0: No problem. Take care.
1: Learned a lot about the Pearl Jam. We did. Oh, so tasty. We'd like to thank you all for joining us this episode. It was a lot of fun. And we'd also specifically like to thank our Patreon patrons, the people who help keep the lights on, help support this show. We would like to thank Melinda Dress. Is there something with the end? Can we give her a name? The end or the dress? Dress end? Is end any? There's got to be an end. I literally had one. The other day and didn't write it down. Any. I can. We are going to be friendress. I was just. I, you, you me, I was going to say, that's very good. We are going to be you, Susanna, for coming up with it. Yeah. All right. I can Melissa, we're going to be friendress Melinda, we are going to be Endress We'll come up with a better one. We also have. Well, I'm going to write that down and just say also if we're going to come up with a better one. We also have Elizabeth Myers. We also didn't come up with one for Elizabeth My. Doorbell, Meyer, um, um, Alyson, Dryers, Fires? Is there rolling in on a burning Myers? That's good. (laughs) Okay. It's also bad, but it's good. (laughs) It's not good, though. Yeah. We really bumped the elbows on that one. Don't you want to know how I keep starting Myers? Ooh. Myers at the Taco Bell. on I will blank stare looking up, Myers there. I'm sure you'll edit that into something. And then we have Brett Garski. Of course, the Brett three killed my Garski. We have Yvette Wilkins, <laughs> Wilkin on Sunshine. And we have uh, Brenda Englehart. We want to be the boys to warm your Englehart. Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. Stew Cat, the Stew Driver. Julia Hickling, the $3 Hat Meg. We have Melinda Taylor, Send Me an Angel Down. Josh Aiken. Or Joe shaking all over. Luke Sinclair, or Luke, me over closely. Tam Davis, our third person, in spirit every week, and a new one, James. We're very excited about this one. Michael Mm -hmm. Brookfield is a new patron this week. We're very excited to see Michael added to the list here. We're gonna have to come up with a pretty. Oh no! I mean, we did two this episode, (laughs) and both are bad. So maybe we want to wait on Michael's till the next one. Okay. So thank you to all our Patreon patrons. If you'd like to become one of those and hear us stumble through an awkward segment about you, we can do that. It's easy. All you have to do is donate a couple bucks, whatever you think you can spare, to our Patreon page. And there will be an ad for that at the end of the show, but you can find us on Patreon under the Third Men podcast and we are very appreciative to everyone who has donated so far so thank you everybody for doing that if you'd like to interact with us on the internet and get yourselves involved with the show you can go on facebook and facebook.com slash third men or twitter at third Our or tumblr you can tumble on down which is thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. you can press our words that's the thirdmen.wordpress.com dot you can email us that's thirdmanpodcast at gmail.com. Send us suggestions for episodes or listener questions or just say hello. We'll love to say hi and chat back at you. You can find our show on ACAST It used to be Pippa and then ACAST just swallowed them up. They just gobbled them right up. And uh you know what? I love ACAST now. Just big, big ACAST fan. Just you can search us on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash C slash the third man podcast. And please rate, review, and subscribe. Wherever you find us, that helps get some more peepers on our show. We like peepers, Paul. Do you remember our character hit character peepers? <laughs> I do remember peepers, which I believe we was all like to forget. Peepers, derivative of peepums, but also <laughs> I feel like peepers had his own thing going on a little. He's his own thing. <laughs> And as always, we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song. Susanna Roundtree over there. Susanna, say hi.
4: No.
1: For the lovely intros and outros of our program. And James, that'll do it for this week. Until next week, I will be looking up for a home up in the rafters because you got yourself a grunge infestation up there. Oh, boy. And I will be looking for a home inside a surfboard gift box for Eddie Vedder. Okay, well it is grave-sized. It's, it's man-sized. <laughs> it's a man-sized box. Was that the Nirvana song, Man-Sized Box? We'll see you next week. Goodbye!
0: For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time!
2: We're the men. We're the frontmen. Paul, oh.
1: show that was a bit it. of a burp. Paul, is is there? Fell level the show. You just had that look in your face as, as though you were saying line. <laughs> no, I was actually burping at the same time. <laughs> it, it means the dirty thing. I thought Pearl Jam literally means bird of prey. Just remember, James, you're still alive when Pearl Jam starts to eat you. So why don't you show a little respect? More like an overgrown Eddie Vedder to me. Hey, that's true, but if you recall, we we had, like, a toy record player, me and you. What? And are you confusing that with a Wes Anderson film? I'm gonna move that. I'm gonna move that, too. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna move that. Okay. Okay. Um, Just we'll, elbow we'll bump it right doing. over to a Yeah, different... sorry. All right. Well, thank you for being on the front lines of getting... Sorry. <laughs> She's, she's, she found wrapping paper somewhere And she's parading around with it James, good luck editing And, yeah, I'll, I'm going out to get it Probably <laughs> Yeah, you threw us like off years ago For <laughs> copyright infringement <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin it just this is for it. me, James Okay, fair enough <laughs> Yeah, um, and we've asked people within Third Man to do that, and they're like, why? And we're like, just do it. Just <laughs> get really aggressive.
0: Just do it, Ben Blackwell, just do it. <laughs> okay.
1: Parody. 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 I'm not putting that in the show. <laughs> I'm joking. It is going to sound as though I have very little to contribute to this conversation. It's okay. Real love it right in the A-cast. Wow. All right. Yeah. Dope-ass deep cut, James.
0: Why? Oh, there's James. I thought we lost Sorry, him for a second I'm
1: here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> rum,
1: rum. And then James may be taking a lot of the lead with this one, depending on how active this one is. I apologize. Uh... Okay. Uh, we'd like to <laughs> Paul, you good? James, you run All with right. it, I'm gonna hop in. <laughs> yeah, this this baby's the we're in meltdown mode over here, so I'm better
2: baby Back
1: to our song hey everybody Paul here with a quick message for you as James and I mentioned many times on the show this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music we pride ourselves in bringing you interesting timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes podcasting is however a weirdly expensive process and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you will like to help us out that would be amazing all right it's all from me remember you can head to patreon.com thirdmenpodcast third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already all right everybody i'll see you on the show kaminsky you are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the beatles every week on the yesterday and today podcast This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.